Hello everybody, it's Joey Remini here from Seeking Balance Australia International now. And I want to introduce to you a good friend of mine, a colleague and someone who really touches my heart and I really hope you enjoy this story I have to share with Jackie Dreesen. So welcome to the call Jackie. Oh, thanks Joey. So Jackie is an ethno-choreologist, she's a dance educator and Jackie is also the director of Wild Moods International. I know Jackie personally through diving right into African rhythms, drumming and African dancing and it blew my mind, largely because I'd never considered myself a dancer or a drummer and suddenly I was performing and doing both, simultaneously singing in African. So it was, I really felt my neurons like in this chaotic transformation and I was blowing my mind with my capacity to do what I thought was impossible. Mm. So I really want to talk today about the power of dance, the power of cultural storytelling and the mm. power of connecting our bodies back into some really tribal, traditional ancestry. So what better person to talk to than Jackie Dreesen? So mm, Thanks. <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourself a little sure. bit, Jackie, and yeah. let the listeners warm to you okay. and just understand your love of dance and yeah, how you sort of sure. started with ballet and yeah. moved into African yeah. wildness? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, sure, it started with ballet, but back before that it started with calisthenics mm. and, and just pointing toes and rising up on the balls of your feet and feeling the space with your body. and Looking pretty. Oh, not necessarily looking pretty because we didn't have mirrors in those days and we didn't know what we looked like. Mm. So we were just sensing and feeling with our bodies and I had some great mentors and one of them was Adrian Leach mm -hmm. and she actually went on to um, start the Heightened Ballet Academy and then she actually went on further and started the VCE dance syllabus and I did dance as an HSC subject. So to translate that, in Australia that's what we call our high school, it's the most prominent certificate you can get. So mm. when we go through VCE it's, it's the final years as a 16, 17, 18 year olds and I suppose it would have been pretty cutting edge to introduce dance yeah. Yeah. as a topic you could mm. actually study academically. Yes, yeah, exactly. And so you were part of that new wave yeah, of dance. Yeah, I was part of that first year and I remember um, being in Bremley and photographing the sunset mm -hmm. and the sunrise and being blown away by the fact that, oh, my God, I've got a camera in my hand and I can take an image and I can make a dance about that. But it's not just about the sunrise, it's about me dancing and coming up with the sun. And as I come up with the sun, it's a new day and I'm a new person. Aww. And this is me and my thinking back when I was 17 years old. So, you know, being born and bred on the surf coast and Geelong and loving the environment, that's what I did, was focus on the environment as my impetus, my stimulation, my inspiration for creating something new through my body and movement and dance, choosing music, writing poetry. Mm. So I called it Dance at Sunrise. I'm so curious to ask, so with my limited knowledge of traditional dance and African mm. dancing, because I'm in no way, shape or form <laughs> really well versed in it, sure. but I can see how like we were doing dances that were like about the fishermen going out and gathering yep. their fishing nets mm. or about, you know, mm. planting seeds yep. or digging holes yep. or giving birth. Or, yep. Yep. And so there was a, a story being danced. Mm. And as a 17-year-old, you were actually seeing life yeah. and then mm. interpreting that through your own dance. Yeah. 
is it a similar process that you were kind of finding yourself exploring even though you yeah. didn't necessarily have a tribal community? Yeah, I think it is. I so think it is. It's about, you know, the dancer mm. connecting through the dance to their place where they live. Mm -hmm. So it's about creating a sense of place and mm. belonging about where you live. And mm. I think every, every single culture on the planet does that, you know. They want to express who they are yeah. as a group of people connecting to their land yeah. and bring stories out of it. And storytelling is not just, you know, vocally telling the story but telling the story through dance, mm -hmm. movement, song, music, all the arts mm. as well as poetry. So back there in Year 12, I had written a poem about dance at sunrise. I'd photographed it. I had um, created a choreography about it. The costume that I designed, my mother made for me. It was oh, with beautiful wow. pinks and um, beautiful blue and purple and all these hues. Yeah, exactly. And so from there, I think that changed something in my way of thinking where I realised, wow, I can choreograph a dance and it's completely new. It's not classical ballet, you know, mm. it's not tap or jazz. This is me and my movement vocabulary. So I remember feeling really empowered. This is so beautiful. And what I love about this is, A, it's so human, yeah. so accessible. Technically, a child could do this. Yeah. I love the fact it doesn't involve language. Mm. You, don't, you could cross-culturally communicate without words mm. by using body and movement and yeah. rhythm and mm. is it happy, is it sad? You, know, yeah. you can really yeah. convey so much. True. The other thing I love about this is when we're talking about neuroplasticity and brain health and well-being, a yep. large part of that is how we express ourselves in the world, mm. how we find belonging in place, yeah. how we relate our inner feelings and inner perceptions and inner sensory experience, mm. how we communicate that to others. Yes, so true. And so I would love to invite everybody listening to this interview and this talk to consider is dance and movement and connecting to story and, and expressing myself through movement or dance something that could help my neurons shift, something that could help mm. me feel unstuck, yeah. something that could help me get a better idea of who I was, mm. who I am, and who I plan to be. Sure. So sometimes it's not always about talk therapy or writing for yeah. thousands and millions yeah. of words in your journal yeah. there are so many different modalities that work for different people yeah. and so I really wanted to talk with Jackie about this idea of mm. communication through the body and storytelling and belonging do you want to yeah. talk a little bit about the work you did in okay. the children of the blue light or in oh, Ireland yeah. and some of those bigger yeah. processes yeah, well, you know, Ghana, West Africa, and then there's Ireland. Oh, they're two huge stories. <laughs> and they're like they're two separate identities as well. But Children of the Blue Light, you know, um, es essentially was about the blue light is, you know, reminiscent of our aura and our mm -hmm. ca capacities as human beings to heal ourselves mm. so I call that the blue light it's like Beautiful. you know we're sort of in the dark and then you get this idea of yeah things aren't quite right what can what can I do to change things to make myself feel happier or understand what's going on so I call that that's the blue light where we've gone from the dark and 
then the light starts to come in and then I call that the blue light. So it's still like Beautiful. in the shadow or something. And it's the, it's the inception or the pregnancy of a new possibility. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I also called it the blue light too because I, I find that my son is... Uh, well, at that age, and you know this from children, you know, they, they just go for it. Mm. If you give them the opportunity, they'll, they'll just go for it. So all you have to do is lead them into something and then make them feel safe in that environment, in that place, and then they just take off. So mm. in other words, I had my son who um, was one of the musicians and he composed the music in the female slave dungeon in the Cape Coast Castle in Ghana, West Africa. So this is an incredible place where people were bought and sold you know, mm. as human cargo. Taken to America or taken yeah. all over? Taken to the new world, yep. North and South. America. So my child, Emmanuel, you know, he's from Ghanaian ancestry, he's from Dutch ancestry, and he's an Australian. And he's a full-on Australian, you know, kid, well, an adult now. But back then he was only 11, 12 years old. So I thought, my goodness, how do I find a way to make him realise that he is proud of his Dutch ancestry and proud of his Ghanaian African ancestry, but he's still Australian, you know, mm. this is where he was born. So when I went to the Cape Coast Castle, I was really um, taken aback on how beautifully it was curated and how the Ghanaians were so wonderful at finding ways to help people find a new way of forgiving and moving on. So they found a way to take you through the doors of no return, close the doors, and then the doors were opened and you were welcomed back into Africa. And I just had goosebumps thinking, this is so wonderful, it's like I've been sent off. And, but now Mother Africa is welcoming you back. And we were given beautiful green leaves to put on our head and everything like that. And while I was there, I really witnessed a lot of people who were in tears and releasing anger and finding their roots, you know. And I really admired the Ghanaians, how they did that in a very nondescript ritualistic way, very simple. And so for myself as a choreographer, you know, I love working with performance rituals. So there's something that happens in that space mm. that transforms both the audience and the performer at the same time. And that transformation I also call the blue light. So I invited Asante Dance Theatre in Cape Coast, Ghana, to be a part of this, and as well as mm. Wild Moves International, who are, you know, anyone who's coming to Ghana on our study tours back then. And we all painted ourselves blue to represent the blue light and we all um, put on traditional Ghanaian blue cloth and so we were representing how do we as performers, as musicians and dancers, we know we have that capacity to tell a story through music and mm. sound and movement and dance mm -hmm. and performance ritual so that you bring the audience into the story and we want to say, yes, this was a terrible time and we never want this to ever happen again. 
in humanity. Mm. But let's celebrate the fact that, you know, we are here in this space, it's still standing and it's a fortress and even that word is controversial or is it a castle? What type of space is it? Is it a slave dungeon? Enslaved people were there. So, you know, it conjures up all these words. So I wanted to go in with the Santi Dance Theatre and Wild Moves International to create a story about we as dancers and musicians can actually create change in this space in time so it's about actually going back in time in the same space reenacting what mm. happened but in an artistic way through dance with respect and song yeah and traditional drumming and dance but also through contemporary choreography because mm -hmm. the contemporary dance you know can weave into a particular cultural dance form and then it's able to create something new with the fusion of the two cultures so you don't know whether it's african or it's western or whatever mm. because we're all in it together as well as the audience so yeah and it finished with the whole audience joining in in a circle or a spiral that spirals in and then we all spiral out and it's like that in itself is a transforming spatial pattern and lots of cultures use the spiral and did you if we contrast this to not talking about it so it's like taboo too hard don't go there too much grief you know slaves and yeah. you know all of this what's culturally appropriate what mm. should i what shouldn't i say mm. so let's just not say anything so let's contrast the kind of silence or repression to this celebration of music mm. and dance mm. and drumming mm. and you videoed it so you created a dvd yeah. video yeah. as well mm. as probably having live audience members yeah. and then future yeah. watches of the program yeah so in creating a storytelling conversation without words rather mm. Mm. but with song and dance yes what do you feel is the difference between the silence and the dance communication yeah well the silence um helps people or gives people the permission to interpret it the way they want to no i mean repression i oh, mean repression i mean not having a conversation mm. versus using dance and cultural music and yeah. everything yeah. to create a conversation. Yeah, well, you know, when I've presented this at conferences and mm. we've watched the DVD mm. and then what sort of stimulation that happens in terms of conversation, um, quite often people who have a history of um, African ancestry but they don't know what it is, mm. they're the ones that are very sad and upset simply because they see me as a white woman mm -hmm. who's gone into black culture and gone right into the history and the experience of being in the slave dungeon itself. And they feel a sense of loss because they don't know what their roots are. They just know that their DNA is, is African. So there's sadness there. It brings up grief. Mm -hmm. And it also... Um, helps them to find ways to reconnect with their own sense of self and their own connection to Africa. For example, you know, I was at a conference with a woman from 
uh, Hawaii, but mm -hmm. she was Californian, but she looked African to me. Mm. And she said, oh, no, you're more African than what I am just because I look black, but I'm the director of the hula dance theatre <gasps> company here and I find my African roots through hula dance in Hawaii. You know, so the dance is a way in. There is no barriers and borders with dance and music. Mm. So it's only the, the cultural barriers that stop us. But we're now in a time where we can cross those barriers, you know, and globally speaking, mm. we, can, we can shift and move across cultures as long as we're doing it with respect. Mm. The reason I ask that question is because from a therapeutic context, so a lot of my clients who come to me with chronic symptoms, whether they be tinnitus, vertigo, depression, anxiety, isolation, loss of self-confidence, all of these things, often there are hidden stories in their life oh, yeah. they've never told anyone. Mm. And there's shame and there's grief and there's mm. deep sadness and mm. they've never known how to express it, mm. how to even have that. Sometimes the story is so suppressed and hidden back, it's almost yeah. like it doesn't exist, but it does. Mm. And once the, once the realisation comes up and the story comes up and the communication is able to flow, I was just talking with Deepika Delminico earlier and we're talking about if you think about a river flowing into the ocean and maybe having creeks and things coming off it, there's a lovely sense of completion and movement and everything can move as it needs to in a healthy mm. way. But if the river system dries up mm. and there is no water or there's stagnation and there's mm. nothing moving, there's no health in the river, the river system dies out. And it's a little bit like that with our stories and with our experience of the world. We have to keep this sense of flow so we can know ourselves so we can, rather than try and bypass the grief or bypass mm. the sadness or yeah. ignore it in the too hard yeah. basket, you actually have to feel it. Those neuronal yeah. synapses need to engage and bounce because when we feel the grief, we then enable the brain to click into connection yes. or click into belonging mm. or click into a sense of self on a deeper mm. level, which is often joy and love yeah. and intimacy. Yeah. Mm. But you can't reach the good, juicy stuff mm. unless you go through that kind of grief and sadness that Jackie yeah. was mentioning. And that's interesting too, Joey, because a lot of the performers in rehearsal as we're developing the mm. work together because we co-created Mm. And, um, you know, often they would be talking about uh, their own grief. Yeah. I would talk about my grief mm. and, you know, my son, I didn't want him to go through a grief of what I was thinking could be racist or racism. I wanted him to be proud of Dutch ancestry, proud of Ghanaian history, proud of him being Beautiful. Australian, mm. you know. And, you know, like we're all in this together. And so Planet a lot of the... Earth. Yeah. And where, you know, a lot of the men, the, the male dancers, one, one thing that they really loved doing was that when we were in the male slave dungeon, the women or the female dancers, we had the masks of our ancestors on our face. So we were, um, you know, support, theatrically demonstrating how we're supporting this man, this man in a male slave dungeon by helping him to remain in that space, in that grief. But, but how can you remain in that grief in that terms of enslavement? And then same with the female slave dungeon. We had our masks off and then the men, the male dancers, had their masks on. And so we would be sensing and feeling our own grief and there was a bucket in the female slave dungeon. That's all they had, all these 300 women wow. who were enslaved where 
they had just one bucket. And so the improvisation was about how do we as dancers, as women, let's just let go and release the grief in our body mm. into that one bucket. And that became the stimulus for conversation, which became the stimulus for movement vocabulary. And we started to develop the movement patterns from there. But then we were able to give our grief to the blue light. And so the, the uh, male dancers who had the mask were symbolic of that blue light or the other world. Mm. And we were able to give that to the, to the men and they released it to the blue light that in itself was really powerful and so again from a therapeutic point of view and i also spoke about this in the dance therapy interview mm. with my mum kate remini it's like once we're feeling emotions sometimes we don't want to have that feeling stuck inside of us right we don't want to walk around with that feeling for the rest of our lives we want it to go somewhere so it's mm. like this river we want all of the water to flow and move yeah. and have continuity mm. and so the feelings that we hold, whether that's grief, it's great to be able to symbolically dance and move to music, mm. to put that grief in a bucket or yeah. give it up, throw it up mm. to the higher beings that be. And while this is not going to work for everybody and there are definitely mm. people out in the world who do not connect to the arts and they, they, they don't feel it with music and dance and that's fine but if it's for you, I encourage you to explore this mm. whole realm of neuroplasticity, which is about connecting with what you feel in the real present day moment, get presence, mm. localize that feeling in your body and get support to professionally shift and move it mm. and offer it somewhere so that you can get that flow back in your body mm. and have a way to communicate your needs and learn how to support yourself. Yeah, the flow is really important because when you're in the flow, you know, you just get happy. Happy hormones, I love it. Yeah, well, we get in that alignment and that connects us back into our soul. Mm. And, you know, mm. I've even had moments of deep sadness, you know, and it's just felt so beautiful. Mm. Like sadness gets such a bad rap, but actually mm. when you consciously connect to sadness, something about that connection mm. and that soul alignment of mm. truth is actually really relevant and really pertinent and profound. Very and it's, powerful. Yeah, and it's not like it goes on forever. It's mm. just, you know, you have an experience of mm. sadness, which in, invariably is going to lead towards something like mm. joy. Yeah. Um, and, and things do change. It's that whole Buddhist kind of, yeah. you know, nothing stays, nothing is permanent. Mm. Everything is mm. changing. Yeah. So I just really encourage anyone listening to, you don't need to be afraid of what you feel. And if you haven't yet found a modality that works for you to engage with your mm. neurons, to help rewire and reset new, healthy, emotional regulation and processing and perception pathways there are so many options mm -hmm. and i wanted to really talk about this sense of story communication self-knowing and using dance as a modality mm -hmm. um i was it. going to say also you know from children of the blue light it really unexpectedly mm. tapped into my deep inner sadness and mm. that blew me away so blue being the appropriate word once I went into my own thesis writing in my master's in ethnochoreology that's what I explored I explored my sadness and my grief from out of the blue <laughs> so yeah. I called my thesis out of the blue this but is in, then this is in, in Ireland. Ireland yeah in Ireland and so I wanted to explore also not just out of the blue in terms of children of the blue light, but, you know, how do I 
how did I come to leave Australia, leave family, leave community? And, you know, I had a really great place here in Australia and a great job and I resigned, you know, and I went to Ireland and uh, was on my own and I just got right into my art form in arts practice. And how did I, as a choreographer, Australian choreo choreographer, adapt to my Irish or developing Irish identity? Hmm. It's like, oh, who the heck am I? I've been <laughs> in this job for 26 years and suddenly I'm not there. And I'm not really a mother anymore and I'm away from family, away from community. So I actually did go into a sense of grief mm. and everything came up. And the only way that I find myself to be able to ground myself in my body is walking in nature. Mm. And so I found myself walking along the River Shannon mm -hmm. and that ended up becoming my thesis. So I started to develop my story about who I am mm. as a woman, you know, in my mid-50s uh, developing a new identity uh, through this river. So I actually fell in love with the river mm. and the ecology of the river. And so my choreography, my soundscape, my creative writing and then my performance ritual was how I honoured the river so as I honoured the river and how she changed seasons, I actually changed myself as well. Yeah. And so anthropologically, which is the study of living culture and how we live in our culture, I just documented that through film and responded in the dance studio. And as I responded moving in the dance studio, you know, the African feel comes into it and all my other dance styles come into it as well. Yeah. So... I put that together in a film over a period of a year and then that ended up becoming the study of my past, whereas my present-day self I painted in blue. Mm -hmm. So I connected with children of the blue light in Africa. But then I danced with myself in the past in the film. Mm. And so the trajectory of my shadow on my past self and me in the present is what the audience is seeing Amazing. and is what I'm seeing as well. So I'm experiencing this present future self mm. along with the audience. There's so much goodness in this because part of mm. really being the person we want to be and having well-being, right, and people who are consciously engaged in neuroplasticity because they choose, all of my clients, right, they are forced to meet themselves every day. It's like, hello, who are you today? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, what? I don't know what to expect today. Like, who am I today? Who is this person? And to approach every day with this fresh curiosity is just mm. ripe for healing. Yeah. Because it's when we get stuck in the old stories and we don't allow ourselves to grow. And we, we try and be that person we were last year or two years ago or three years ago. And we're always comparing ourselves to how we were. That's actually not even living. Like, that mm. is stuck in the past mm. and it mm. breeds pain. Mm -hmm. And from that place, your brain is like, I can't be that person three years ago. Like, it's physically impossible for me to take all of my cellular body back to that place three years ago. You have to be present. Mm. You have to feel, acknowledge, and meet yourself with humility and kindness. Mm. Ideally, we accept how we are and who we are in the present moment. And from that place of love and self-compassion, our brain is actually able to be more creative, more responsive, and more innovative with how mm. it builds neural pathways mm. that 
enable us to be our best version of our future self mm. instead of being stuck in this horrible comparison and toxic impossibility mm. of the past. Mm. You know, that just makes me think about also the word vulnerability because, mm. you know, one mm. thing I experienced performing as you know, a woman in my mid-50s and everybody at the university at the Irish World Academy of Music and Dance, you know, they're all in their early 20s and blah, 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 and, you know, I'm crotchety hip and blah, blah, blah. So I was starting to feel really vulnerable. Yeah. But at the same time, I loved the time in the studio and closing doors and just dancing and filming myself and thinking, wow, what is happening there? What am I doing there? But I remember feeling so vulnerable mm. and then someone said to me yeah but that's a good thing mm. you know because that's why we need artists because mm. you give yourself and your vulnerability and that's what the audience actually connects with yeah is the fact that oh they start to see maybe themselves in what you're doing or they what we call it the anthropology of the senses so because the audience is sensing and feeling mm -hmm. and we're setting up, you know, uh, a situation where we're sensing and feeling so that the audience is smelling whatever is going on or what, what mm -hmm. herbs or, or sound or whatever movement they're seeing or, you know, smells that they're smelling. So they're using their senses to look at what we're experiencing and putting on offer. And so if I put myself and my vulnerability on the line, the audience gets to see maybe a reflection of themselves. I don't know. That's up to the audience to work that out. Well, I think also vulnerability is the fast track into our heart. Vulnerability takes us to our deep, deep place mm. in the soul. Mm. And often we communicate in life on just such this superficial chit-chat level. You know, we're not really going deep very often mm. unless you find yourself with soul friends mm. and soulful people mm. where you can have those more deeper vulnerable experiences. Yeah. And they're not always conversations, but it may be a conversation. Yeah. And I think we're all desperate for this intimacy and we're desperate yeah. to be able to contact mm. vulnerability and in this fast-paced, bright lights and bang-bang world, we can be stuck in go mode, just following lists and checkpoints. Mm. And it's like, go, 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 survive, survive, survive. And we don't have that space. We don't mm. perceive we have that mm. space or safety mm. to really be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when we're in a, a, or maybe we're visiting some type of artistic performance or mm -hmm. gallery, could even be a painting yeah. and it just floors us and there's mm. something that touches us mm. and it can be just the raw human vulnerability and it can be confronting it can be ugly it can yeah. be mm. difficult but there's a part of our heart and soul that is actually yearning for that deeper connection mm. and mm. like we said earlier once we connect with our grief or our shock or yeah. our fear or our sadness just on the other side of that is yeah. often our deeper joy deeper love deeper trust deeper oh, yeah. belief deeper faith mm. and so if if people are not allowing themselves to feel, not allowing themselves to get real in the present moment, to get vulnerable, to face fears, to feel grief and sadness and shock, mm. to get into that inner world of what the hell is going on with me, if they're not allowing themselves to actually feel, they can never heal. They're mm. actually roadblocked. Yeah. And it's yeah. this superficial level of diets and medications mm. and mm -hmm. devices mm -hmm. and physiotherapy mm. exercises and they're like, why aren't I getting better? And it's yeah. like because you're not integrating that neuroplastic experience, mm. that real human, raw, vulnerable mm. experience. 
and you know, speaking about neuroplasticity, mm. um, you know, for me in the way I documented that whole process, mm. it was a documentation of exactly how I transformed. Amazing. So it was done through film, it was done through poetry, it was done through sound, movement. So when I had to write up my results, it's like, oh, my goodness, how do I write results? And then it dawned on me that, oh, my goodness, all I need to do is look at my film from this point to that point and that means I can write just about that one minute worth of material and transfer that into words and that became my creative writing. So what I was able to do was creatively write the results of my embodied experience in the way that I connected mm. with a sense of place to the river. Mm. So that's why I called my thesis Ecology of Place. So, so my whole results of the analysis is all poetry. You don't have a poem at hand you could share with us, do you? Mm. You have to go too far yeah. digging. Yeah, I'd have to go there. Yeah. I love something. <laughs> I love, um, we might wrap up the conversation sure. here, but a lot of, all humans, more or less, share a lot of really common needs and common fears. And one is belonging, like fear of not belonging, fear of being rejected, fear of being shamed, fear of not being good enough. We want to belong. We want to have a sense of place. We want to have a sense mm. of connection. And this is where stories, lineage, connecting to our traditional ancestors, having a really healthy sense of past, present and future connection, mm. it really opens us up and our brain up for a sense of safety and as you've heard me say a million times, if we don't feel safe, we cannot use neuroplasticity. If we're operating from fear and anxiety, the brain is clamped in. It's, it's no-go zone. So connecting to place, having a sense of belonging and knowing who you were, who you are and who you're going to be is just incredibly healing. And quickly on that note too, uh, my Irish supervisors mm. and examiners, one thing that they said to me was, wow, I'm Irish and I've never looked at the river like that before. <gasps> yeah. And see, that's where they also, and I mean, I just love the Irish people and their sense of Me too. wanting to know about everything else out there in the world, but they have such a strong sense of identity, you know, that's connected to land. Mm. And for them to say to me that they're Irish, but they've never looked at the river in that particular way. So I brought this new perspective for them and that's what I was a bit scared about doing because it's like who am I coming into their culture and their land and being an Australian and doing an interpretation yeah but who are you not to yeah exactly because we're all equal no that's one's it. more special or yeah. less special that's you're it. no more special or less special than mm. anyone else on the planet yeah and I truly believe in oneness I believe mm. we all share this planet earth to me racism does not even exist yeah, like true. we are all so beautiful and I am absolutely fascinated when I meet people from different cultures and I want to learn and I'm not suggesting we're all the same. Of course we're different and I celebrate those differences and the diversity and this is the beauty of, of therapy actually is that often there's only so much we can see ourselves. Like we've got our blinkers on, we've got our patterns and our habits and when you have an outsider come in and, and witness and observe with you. That outsider's perspective will see you with fresh eyes mm. and will see mm. you with a fresh mm. um, 
energy and that actually can be the thing that is missing that you need to help you get over that hurdle and get unstuck mm. so that's where this human healing process does not have to be alone and I don't encourage anyone to stick this out alone and try and figure it out yourself because that can just take forever and potentially never happen yes yeah, sure. so use as many resources as you can have a support team be really open to exploring different modalities don't mm. care what other people think if mm. it works for you it works for you right and so I wanted to open up this conversation about dance mm. about movement about stories about belonging because these are all really rich and integral parts of integrative neuroplasticity <clears throat> and I think at the moment in the current modern world we are probably over emphasizing things like diet and medication and generic mm -hmm. exercises I mean like if they work in the first six weeks that's fantastic and that's simple and that's linear but if your condition is more chronic and you have chronic tinnitus or forms of severe uh, vestibular disorders or triple mm. PD, vestibular migraine, it could be that you actually need to go through a deeper, integrated, more soulful process to get out the other side and actually feel yourself again. Mm. Reinvent who you are. Mm. Reinvent who you are, yeah. And, I mean, I think that's why so many people love travelling because you reinvent yourself. Yeah, in the moment you step out be. of your own place. It can be. Or you can come back and realise you're just coming back to all the problems that you left in the first place. <laughs> so it doesn't always work that way. That's true too. So I just want to say thank you so much from my heart, Jackie yeah. Dreesen from thank Wild you, Moves. Jones. Wild Moves International. I'm going to put a link down that you can search Wild Moves International and find Jackie. She's active, really active on Facebook with a Facebook group. And um, I'll put that link down. Okay, sure. Any last parting words of wisdom and joy for the listeners? Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, walking in nature yes. as one, feeling your feet touch mm. the earth, heel, ball, toe, or if you're jogging, toe, ball, heel, you know, making that connection <laughs> with the earth. So you're sensing and feeling the skin on your feet connected to the earth because the earth's just vibrating. Mm-hmm. Proprioception people, it's all about starting, coming back to the body scan. So yeah. if you haven't started this process yet and you're new, new to this community, visit seekingbalance.com.au. In particular, if you have any form of tinnitus, vertigo or chronic dizziness, go to seekingbalance.com.au <laughs> and there's actually a free body scan which can get you started with that proprioceptive process and learning to connect back into what, what am I actually feeling getting present because it's from that place of mindfulness and presence the simplicity of touching base is really where it all starts mm. and from there you can deepen so seekingbalance.com.au i'll pop a link to jackie dreeson's wild moves international thank you so much thanks joey <laughs> and it's a little bye, bye for now